fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever wanted life, man. If that's destiny, I work my fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever wanted life, man. If that's destiny, damn, I destroyed myself, but you contributed. I destroyed myself, but you helped. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. Hey, can you turn my headphones up just a little bit? Seems like it's... There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Sorry about that. I should have probably said that during sound check, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by... Holy shit, they got loud. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> I turned all of us up and he just yells into the mic. Hey, everybody. Bum, 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 bum. All right. This podcast is brought to you by yours truly, 13th Step Tone Solutions and More Bands Media. That's me, Brad Biggs, and Jonathan Grissom, my co-host. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Uh, we are getting back into the comic uh, comedian uh, guests. It's been a cool minute since we had a comedian on. We have uh, James Nim in with us today. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Uh, your name actually came across our desk through some friends of our the previous guests. Um, uh, the previous comics we've had on, you might have to remind me. I know we've had uh, we've Lenny. We've had Lenny on, and then we had uh, Greg, uh, Greg uh, yeah. Brad Chad. I think that might be it. Yeah. All, all yeah. solid dudes. All I'm, solid dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at some point or another, that's when that's when uh, your name came across our desk, and and they they uh, said that with in 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 the uh, aftermath or of the Looney Bin closing, there's just been kind of a consolidation going on with comics here locally and it's it's been kind of interesting to see how things have happened especially with i know bricktown comedy club opened up which was kind of like you had two different kind of crowds and now that one's gone like what's going to happen and uh it's been interesting to to see how it all shakes out so how long you been doing this and where do you fall in all that um i've been doing this since january 2007 my first set was actually at the rest in peace looney bin um (laughs) I'm just all over the place. I think I've had like I, I, I affect. I think I've touched a lot of things in small ways. So I don't know. I'm I'm still like that. Uh, I don't I don't think I'm as visible as I used to be uh, post pandemic or coming out of this last weird two years. Oh yeah. Um, but I think I've been trying to get back into it and like seeing how things are. Checking the landscape. People start te- texting me like gossip and news about like my, my friend the other day texted me a picture of Bricktown opening up another club in Tulsa. Uh, and so like under the Bricktown like name it's under Bricktown. Like he just texted oh. me a picture that said Bricktown comedy club. And I was like, that's not Bricktown. Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are they moving? And there's like, no, they're opening up another club really close to the Tulsa Looney bin. So, huh. um, so basically what they did with the Bricktown brewery everywhere. Cause there's, they're everywhere. It's, now. it's like a trademark it's, now. Yeah. Huh? Oh, I didn't re- realize that people gave a shit about yeah. the Bricktown name. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. I'm from Oklahoma City, so I just always didn't think Bricktown was the coolest. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm from New Walla, Oklahoma. Uh, I think and- I think my extent of the runs of Bricktown were like back whenever City Walk was open and everybody was doing coin beer night where we were dropping change in like a like a fishbowl and just getting drunk. You know? Showing your age there, brother. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, it was good times, though. I, I, I kind of wish that club was still around because it was the only good club in downtown i always like to think of bricktown as just a spaghetti warehouse and just mounds yeah. of dirt yeah, <laughs> it's just it like, kind of a right? shithole potential maybe right. <laughs> right. 
they put the Riverwalk in and tried to be San Antonio, yeah. and everything went crazy. <laughs> but I, I mean, I wonder. Like, okay, so you're from Oklahoma City, and you, you've been doing this for a pretty good amount of time now. Um, fifteen, fifteen years, fifteen years. plus, yeah. plus or minus. So, like, how does the vibe of seeing a city change like that affect your comedy? Because I mean, Bricktown. Real if, if for anybody maybe out of state listening, we had this thing come through on the taxpayer dime called the Maps Project. It's a three or four phase thing, mm-hmm. and it upgraded the city from being what everybody thought about Oklahoma to now relatively modern kind of city. And I think there's a lot of people just aren't prepared even now. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think I'm not prepared to be honest. I feel like I like grew up in this city at the wrong time, or maybe at the right time because I got to see like the Oklahoma City Blazers when they were the coolest oh, thing yeah. in Oklahoma City, oh, and man. now we got legitimate millionaires playing basketball for us. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird change. Millionaires. Um, but going back to your question, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I've been doing comedy so long. I think like if. I came up seeing Bricktown. I would have been like starstruck. I think I was starstruck going to the Looney Bin when I started, to be honest. And that was in 2007. And the headliners weren't guys you would see on TV. They would tell you there were guys that had been on TV, and maybe they had been maybe like 10 years ago. But I remember I opened up for Damian Wayans Jr. at Bricktown recently, or two years ago, and uh, like that didn't happen when I was coming up into comedy. Like yeah, when I started, so like seeing that is different. But if I could take a step back from it, like. I would be, I couldn't get more blown away. Like I, I feel like all these experiences are pretty similar. So like it doesn't matter if there's like a Joe Schmo on stage who's just making money to do comedy, and I'm just like this kid from Oklahoma City, or if it's like now flash forward to the future. If I had just started now, it's like a guy that I've been seeing on sitcoms, and I'm starting in Oklahoma City. I feel like I've been like maybe equally as a starstruck. I'm just like starstruck by all this stuff at some point in my career. Well, um. Since things have kind of developed like they have over the year, like what wh- over the years, I should say, um, like what are what made you get up and and actually try it that first time? What what was the motivator for that? Uh, I had a lot of friends getting into it around that time, and uh, my friend Leah got me into it. I'll say uh, I don't know if you've seen her, her; her name has ever come up, but she won Oklahoma City's funniest comic like two years into doing comedy and I started around the same time as she what's her full name uh, Leah K. Janian I guess I haven't she moved away like she didn't stay here like she moved to LA and she stayed there for like 10 years and she was on Comedy Central for Roast Battle she was a Roast Battle champion oh okay Comedy Central just just like your friends say you're funny, so get up there. Like, well, how, do you, how do you prepare? Did you, I mean, obviously, you didn't get up there and tell them knock knock jokes. I feel like, but, like <laughs> or or did you? Leah <laughs> and her friends. <laughs> I just, I think I got pissed off, honestly, or like maybe it, like, uh, not pissed off, but I started, I started going to mics with her, so she was my friend, so I was supporting her, and then she made some friends at OU who started going to the mics with her too. And I think my friend who came, my friend later, Anthony, would always talk shit to me. While, while I would go watch him, and then eventually I was like, you know what, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> I want to do this too, and uh, I did, and it didn't go terribly, so I just uh, stuck with it. And at first, I think I just it was just something I could do while I was drunk and hanging out with my friends. It was fun, and I, I remember like the Looney Bin Terry from the Looney Bin saying something something to me after a set. She gave me like a harsh critique, which she doesn't do to anybody. So like, she just leaves them alone, and lets them suck, but. 
she was just like, Hey, you're funny. You're talking too fast. You don't seem very confident. And you're like, she's like actually giving me notes. And like, when you first start out, it's like, fuck this bitch. Like I was, I was so pissed. Uh, but but Damn, as I kept going, I mean, she, I think of her like kind of motherly now. And like, uh, she's like, Oh, she thinks I have potential. And then I just like probably started taking it more seriously. And then the goal was just like, if I can just get one MC week, I think I'm good. I'll retire. And that just turned into fucking 15 years and just kept going and seeing where I could go. So you're also a musician, yeah? Yep. Okay. So where, as far as that creative space, like where is the um, the uh, parallels with, say, writing a bit versus maybe coming up with a, an idea for a song or a riff or whatever? I'm more of a revision guy when it comes to music where I just like provide the backbone because I'm the drummer. Or I can mix, so sometimes I've done some editing, but like I'm I'm never like the the front guy in a band. Gotcha. Uh, comedy wise, I just I love comedy because it's like it's good and bad, and you can just do it whenever you want, and you, you you can just stay on as long as you want without having without having to turn off. So you can really obsess over things, and you don't really hurt anybody but yourself, uh, <laughs> or you don't have to depend on anybody but yourself in the crowd too. Um, but for music. It takes a lot of communication and you have to work with a lot of people and, and it's less lonely. So I think that's good, but also it's less lonely. So you have to actually, actually have to function and not, not be a prick. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well or depending on, uh, I mean, <laughs> to a degree, <laughs> nobody's got to stay in your band if you're a prick, you know, that's true. Or they're going to kick you out of the band. Yeah. You, you have to definitely work much more directly as a, as a cohesive unit, maybe. I don't know. I've, I've never, I've been told I'm, I'm funny on occasion, but I've never had the audacity to step up with a mic and just nothing else and, and try to get people on my side or tell jokes. That's, that's, uh, I respect that. It's, it's difficult. And I've, and I've seen my friends go through the transition. Greg is a guy that, uh, Greg Thomas, shout out to him. Greg uh, Thomas. Uh, yeah, we work together and like, even just when we were riding around together at work in the truck, just bullshit. And like, I could just tell like, Oh, this dude, like the level of animation for just a 9am conversation in a truck over coffee is just out of this. It's next level. Like, <laughs> dude, you got to get that out somewhere. And eventually he st stood up there with the mic. I never could. I can get up there and play riffs all day long. I think like maybe if you didn't put it on a pedestal so much, maybe you'd have an easier time kind of tackling it. You're probably right. Uh, but I think maybe that's where I can't, like why I've had such success because I didn't come in with the, the weight of the world when I started. It was just kind of like, you know, I like a couple of comics. I do enjoy watching comedy and these are my friends. Uh, I think that's good energy to keep for the rest of your career too because I've got up and down where how, how serious I need to take this and like how much expectations I put on myself and it gets, it gets really dark if you let it and you can make really bad decisions if you let it. And if you just always keep the, the joy that you had when you started, I think you always make good decisions. At what point does the, the, uh, like you said, the, the fun and I'm just getting up there. I'm a little buzzed. I'm having a good time turn into like, all right, step timing, punchline delivery and and really and getting into the the minutia of it that way like the form of it yeah. um let's see i think like if you could write a good joke i think that's a good building block and just like think of like a joke in the simplest terms just like some kind of setup some kind of misdirection some kind of hit them with a punchline kind of thing 
And then if you can do that, you can do that four times maybe. And then you start building your sets. (laughs) And then if you can do that with like despairing ideas, like I think a lot of people start out like non-secular with like random ideas. But if you kind of focus those beats and punchlines into like cohesive idea, and it'll look like you're doing like a long, complex bit, but you're really only doing like four, what would look like four simple jokes on the same topic, but you can kind of connect it somehow. Like, oh, fuck, you can do that now. And you got, got your timing down. It's like, oh, now you're like, controlling your body language and you're reading the crowd's body language and you're doing that. And, uh, once you can do all those things, I think, I don't know, you can get paid for this. <laughs> well, and, and that's as a creative mind, I guess I'm a guitar player. It's, it's not something I can do, but it's definitely something I notice, uh, when it comes to like different styles, uh, same as with a, a band or a guitar player in music, I'll notice you got the guys like, we'll just go like, classic traditional heavyweights you got the kennison style yeah you know you and yelly yeah (laughs) and and you got those loud bombastic guys you got the heady guys yeah and it's and it's like at, at some point um a lot of times you'll notice that the jokes are themed very similarly. It's just the delivery itself is what's different and you get a completely different reaction for a different crowd of people. Yeah. And like, I think inside of that's where you really start to see kind of the artwork of it and how someone can actually work a crowd. But I remember, I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, I remember when I first started and people would say like vague things to me, like be more confident or like, find your voice and like none of that shit really ever made <laughs> sense to me uh but it's just like it it, it, it sounds so fucked up so goddamn you, accurate dude uh, my, my friend one time this gave me like the most confidence i think he just said don't worry about your first 100 sets or whatever and like he's kind of right because like you're you're not in it like as long as you don't run in a rush to find anything uh you're gonna still enjoy it like keep that like i'm enjoying this i'm enjoying this process you'll just keep going and eventually if you'll just figure out who you are a little bit. I honestly think I've figured out a lot about who I am as a person on stage. So I always like, um, thankful for comedy for that. So I would agree with that from a 2007 point of view when not quite everybody had a damn camera attached to everything. But now, man, those first hundred shows are on someone's phone. Oh yeah, that's they're, fair. They're on, so they're recorded somewhere and you're just like, i feel like an old man now so maybe maybe i'm being too hard on these new guys coming in with all the pressure because i didn't come in into a city like that a lot's happened over the last few years i mean just in the social consciousness i mean you had uh a big change with uh i don't know if it went in line with our i guess it did with our politics of the nation you just see the the ebb and flow the back and forth of everything yeah and then the me too thing that changed a lot with weinstein getting caught and the entertainment as a whole kind of took note then covid happened and it's like now we're at a place where i i just feel like people they want dirty jokes and they want blue and it's just so difficult to do that. I feel like it's the opposite really? for me or oh, wow. I'm not, maybe not blue, but or do you mean just like super dirty or super like real? Mm. 
like that's a yeah i have to i have to kind of dig in there because uh, it can go there's so many places that can blue comedy encompasses yeah so many things do you mean like a benign like, cum joke uh, or yeah mean, like, I, I would say more like that i would like, say i would say more a really like political cum joke no 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 no, no i'm uh, coming red i'm coming blue <laughs> <laughs> i would i would say less on the political side of just absurdist absurdist type okay and, i mean uh, i can see that I don't know if they specifically want dirt. Like, I don't. Everybody's always told me to be cleaner, uh, and like I'm kind of seeing it as I grow up too. Like, because I'm I'm almost forty now. I'm thirty eight. Turning thirty nine soon, and I started this when I was twenty three. And when I started, it was just easy to say dirty jokes because yeah. like I don't know much about the fucking world, and it's easy to get reactions when you're just being gross. I can just think of gross shit all day, uh, but nowadays I'm just like I don't really know if this is what people want from me. They, I think people. It's hard. To, it's hard to say what people want. Like I don't think if you ask somebody what they want, they could say it. So you kind of just gotta do it for them without just like be the salesman. So like I'm just gonna do what I think is good, and you're gonna want it, kind of thing. You're you're right. You're accurate with that for sure. Um, <laughs> as I've gotten older, I've I've tried to let go of the. I, I still have that problem with the f word. The fuck. I just I just I use it in all of its noun, verb, adjective, <laughs> adverb forms. I just sprinkle that shit on everything. I just can't help it. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, uh, yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's a culture thing. I think that's just people getting older, and that's just how the how their sensibilities kind of change over time. You know. I think. Yeah. I'm. I'm being more. I'm trying to be more sensitive to you. Like. I like. I bring up Terry a lot because I came out through the loony bin, and she was always just the one giving me these notes, and I always just like kind of ignore them. But as I grew older, I kind of became came to respect her more. Uh, and, uh, she always said, if I could work clean, I could work anywhere. And, you know, she's kind of right. If you can work clean, you can work anywhere. Yeah. If you want to open it up in certain situations, if you get in a situation where you, you can be dirty and just really let it go, it's easy to make it dirtier. It's like harder to make it clean for me. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> it, it's, it's always easy to, to add dirt. It's always harder to clean it up and still make it funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and translatable anyways. But yeah, I don't know. I I think what you're saying, like you're, you touched on two things. You touched on the dirtiness and you almost touched on like a political thing. Like people are like getting more political on their comedy. Did but you say I, that or did I, 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 I that in my brain? Um, I might've implied that. I, I, let me, let me clarify. I would say that there might be an idea that that's wanted, but from yeah. what I see, it is not. I, I, from my perspective, I think I was more political going coming into the pandemic than out of it. I just see everybody in pain, so I just feel yeah, like it, I really yeah. just sort of like to be <laughs> funny for people. I'm like I don't even care anymore. I'm just like I don't I don't care if you see me. You just think I'm some like fucking hippie bullshit guy, or I don't know what people think when they see me. But I'm just like, hey, I know everybody's been through a long couple of years, so let's just come and just gather. Like you came here, I'm happy you're here. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm not gonna betray your trust. I'm just gonna try to put on, yeah. put on a good show for you. Let's gather around, but not <laughs> too close. Don't breathe on me. <laughs> we just went through COVID. <laughs> Get, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally. Uh, the first concert we went to, uh, I want to say it was uh, 
Shinedown or the guys from Shinedown did an acoustic thing. And it was the first Diamond Ballroom finally opened up. It had been shut down and they had these spots taped on the floor and it was like nobody wanted to fuck up. So everybody's in their own little bubble. Like, please, <laughs> let's just please, let's just get through this and have fun for once. But you're right, man. That changed. That, I, I, I've recognized it in myself going in just any public place. Like the walls are way up. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get locked down for a while and I'm a reclusive guy anyways, I enjoy being not around other people, but I do when I want to go out, like I want to, I yeah. want to go out and it's, it definitely, that was a game changer, but I was surprised to see when you, especially when you talk about just like the heavyweights in music and comedy for that matter, like the Joe Rogan crowd, like everything went from LA to Austin and, and now things are just, it's interesting to see because, uh, like we were just talking about, when you move to a new city, you change your outlook. That changes everything, so it's going to influence your output in comedy, and it's definitely shown in in all those guys. You can just tell like the jokes they make are are different, and, yeah. And again, and maybe not as offensive, maybe because <laughs> you know, we're all getting older, and and there's got to be some young eighteen year old coming up the ranks that just wants to shit on everything. I'm sure that you're out there. I don't know. Like, there's, there's also a thing where it's like, man. You could be offensive, but it's like if you're saying the same things that other people are saying, I don't know if it's like it's like I could be offensive easy, and even like my real opinions can be offensive and controversial in certain circles. And uh, I'm just like, but am I saying anything new, or am I just like, right? Am I entertaining? Like, just offensive <laughs> with no purpose other than to be offensive. Like, it's one thing when someone says something offensive that's its purpose is targeted to like make someone think yeah george carlin for example uh he was like a master of he was almost like a one-man show i argue that he was even actually what you'd call a traditional stand-up comic yeah um that was my dad's favorite comedian by the way i mean yeah (laughs) Uh, but his ideas at the time looking at him now they're you know it's just normal but i mean you figure in the 70s and 80s and all these when these when he was saying these things that was controversial yeah and it's like uh what is it um uh Gallagher, you know, like, like I, I went yeah. back and watched Gallagher recently and, and I went as a kid, you know, I was always, Oh, let's, br- let's bust some fruit. You know, that's all I knew him as. <laughs> and then, and then I'm watching it and I'm like, Holy crap. And this guy has like a whole underlying deep. about deep subjects about yeah. finance, government, like all <clears throat> sorts of stuff that he's talking about. And then at the very, very end, he's like, He's like, nope, I lied to you guys. You guys are here for an infomercial, and we're going to bust some fruit. Like, that's what he does. It makes it fun. You know, he makes it fun, and he just draws it right in, and then just, like, says, that's really why you came here, was because it's an infomercial. That's that's the difference. If someone can take a political hot spot and make it funny where you have everybody laughing, that's a master right there, because it's not easy to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes, I don't, yeah, I agree. Like, it's worth it sometimes, and sometimes it's not. It's like, I think... I I had like a lot of time to think these last two or three years and <laughs> my mom was sending me like these books by monks and stuff and they were talking about Buddhism and uh, one of the things about Buddhism, which I'm not here to talk about Buddhism either, <laughs> but uh, they're saying something about like motivate. It's like right motive, right action. If you want a good result, you should have a good motive, but you also need a good action too. And then I forgot the rest of the book. So, but I always like, I'm sure there's like another step I'm missing, but they always said like, if you have the right, this is all I can remember is if you had the right motive and then from there you can kind of decide what's a good way to achieve that. And then from there 
you can measure your results. But if you have like the motive, let's say your motive is to be a famous comedian, uh, and your action is I'm gonna suck Jerry Seinfeld's dick. <laughs> and it's like, and then I wake, wake up the next day. I'm like, oh, I'm not a famous comedian. Well, I didn't do the right thing to achieve the goal <laughs> that I wanted. Uh, but you know, so like, if you want to say something political, as and then you want, do you want to tell, you want to make people laugh, or do you want to change people's hearts? You know, yeah. And you can do both, maybe. But maybe like if you want to do one or the other, you, the actions would be different. It wouldn't be if you want to change people's hearts. Maybe it wouldn't be the first thing you do would be to tell a joke. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I would also argue that uh, we all know those comics that are actually just activists playing comics. Yeah, and it's like eh, okay, I mean, eh, all right. So sometimes I have I've had to have discussions with myself. I was like, which one am I? And then I'm like. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm a little bit of, I, I'm trying to separate both because I, I do feel like I'm volunteering for a lot of nonprofits and journalism things right now, but I don't make that part of my set anymore. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of cum and dick sucking jokes. Well, I mean, Hey, what works works. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about this band, man. Uh, do you want to play one of your songs? We got, we got to give a shout out to our, our boy Hollis, but, uh, we happy to play one of yours if you want to. Yeah. We just had a new song. Uh, I, started this band with my brother called the Nims or Nims. If you're Vietnamese, <laughs> uh, if you didn't grow up in Oklahoma, pronouncing your own name wrong, we're the Nims. Uh, though I, I do have to say this because in poker, I played poker for years. Win is very, it's common. Yeah. But in on paper, when you're reading the tournament rolls, it's N G U or N G Y U E N. And I, I, it took me forever to fuck. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I would always say the guy's name and then hand it off. Like I, like I couldn't figure it out. And one day it just hit me like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's easy enough. Yeah. It's similar. I think people like, <laughs> even just like, they'll look at my name and just give up and think it's win. So they're just like, win. Like, wins. It's like, Hey, cool. Um, yeah, this song's called K pop band. Uh, it's one of our newer songs. Uh, we wrote Can we it. get it. Can we get it? Yeah, I got it. All right. Sweet. Uh, well, we wrote it when my little brother was in Korea f- during lockdown. So cool. for his birthday. All right. Let's give it a listen. Moved his soul and started a K-pop band Call up our brother, move as fast as we can We'll write some songs and we can see where we stand Oh, let's start a K-pop band On young, oh hey Are you
good man thanks i mean all things considered i i never ever thought that the first th- thought to come through my head listening to a new song was i hear a strong weird owl influence in that <laughs> song because weird owl just he makes parody of other songs that are written but he does have his own sound and i heard a lot of that sound in that song <laughs> i'm never gonna tell my brother that <laughs> like i heard his feelings <laughs> It had a very, uh, almost like a waltz. We're doing uh, like a Beach Boys thing. Yeah, very, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll give you that, yeah. But the first thing in my head was Weird Al. Um, yeah, maybe not share that, but uh, this is going public, so it's out there. Uh, <laughs> we'll play one more. I want to give a shout-out to my boy Johnny Hollis and the boys in Hollis, Ben Matthews, Chad Carr, uh, Tracy, what's his last name? Do you know? I just oh, knew him as Tracy, man. Yeah, was, he's the bass player, Tracy. Tracy, Tracy all right. the bass player. That's the bass player. <laughs> uh, shout out to all you guys. Um, I know that they have uh, restructured over the last few months. I was actually kind of a part of that. I jammed with them uh, for a few months, but 13th step uh, conflicted and everything. But uh, I know that they are ready to start booking going into 2023. And uh, I don't know where they're going to look. Uh, I know probably around the Oklahoma City metro area. I know that they've... Uh, they got a show packed. They're, they got a set list ready to go and rehearsed. So um, we're going to play a song called Lately. I like that song. And uh, if anybody out there listening that's uh, maybe a booker or a venue owner wants to uh, book them, uh, we can definitely hook you up with their contact information and uh, uh, 
Jonathan, I guess from the moment, Ben, you are the manager of the band, or at least handling their their yeah. business. If you, yeah, business if you wanna, end of things. Yeah, if you want to book them, then you can hit me up at John at morebands.com. All um, right, and uh, I'll I'll get them squared away. Sweet. Let's let's listen to lately. <laughs> Just be strong 
That was Johnny Hollis and the band Hollis. Uh, shout out to you guys. Uh, and uh, like I said, if anybody's out there listening that owns a venue or is a band or whatever, is wanting to get with the boys and see if y'all can book some gigs, uh, I can tell you that he writes some damn good songs. Uh, that's that's one thing I will say, man. I was I was fun being part of that band, and anything we can do to help them out, we'll do. So that's what we're doing. So, um, we can uh, as far as wrapping up. Um, I know you got some projects in the works, and I want to give you a chance to to really cover them real well. Um, tell us what you got coming up. I know. Brad Chad Porter was on, and he he mentioned he was getting a lot of different things going on, and I think that's where your name came across our desk. and And I know y'all he he's he's done a project at, with a theater up there, trying to get a comedy scene, uh, I guess, or a group of comic comics going. And uh, I know that's something that you're trying to build too. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh yeah, I'm kind of just trying to back to that theme of my comedy career is just like trying to keep the joy while actually progressing to you. Um, but I'm starting this thing called Robot Save City Comedy Club Pop-Up. Uh, I started a label called Robot Save City uh, in 2010, I think, or 2011. It's a digital release comedy label, mostly working with local uh, comedians. But when I, I've been around, so like I moved to L.A. for a little bit. I put out like my neighbor's record, who was on Eric Andre's show, and he's had some good credits. And cool. you know, uh, my friend Leah, who I mentioned earlier, she's been on my label when she was like really early in green. Uh, but she's been on Comedy Central. Um, there's a guy named Kevin Costello who's on a bootleg uh, album that we put out on like CDR. Uh, but he produced Tom and no, he produced uh, Bad Trip on Netflix, and he's a writer. He wrote Tom and Jerry the movie, so he's been on my label. Uh, so we're like tangentially connected to a lot of more successful people than me. Uh, <laughs> but I'm starting this thing called Robot Safe City Comedy Club pop up, and we're working with uh, a couple of venues uh, coming up. We're working with Vanessa House Brewery and the Speakeasy, 51st Street Speakeasy. Vanessa House. Yeah. I love those guys. I went to high school with those guys. Those guys are great. Awesome. They've they've been sponsoring me for forever, too. So um, we're putting on shows around in those venues and their places. And um, I'm trying to get more sponsorships so I can pay for hotels. I'm bringing a lot of people back into town who started here and have skills and hopefully can draw. If they don't draw the best, I don't even care. I'm going to do my best. We're going to have a good time. We're going to fill up the rooms as best we can is it is it like uh the like this is the name of the thing and you go to different spots to host it or do you have like a central location uh we're gonna be popping up all over the place so we don't have a central location we just have a list of like people we're working with new world comics we might be working with them uh to just doing like like when i lived in los angeles there used to be this comic shop called meltdown comics and i saw camille nagiani and jenna ray there i just thought it was the coolest thing so, so every now and then we'll do a show at new world um, if they're into it, I got to still talk to them about that. Uh, but yeah, we just robot safe city is the name. We got, um, banners made and like, we're going to look cool and maybe light some candles and make it look like a comedy club, <laughs> <laughs> but the shows are going to be great. That's what's important. Well, how do you think, or, or, or maybe you can help me understand, like, how does it work differently versus like being in a band and, and like the music scene where you have a. You deal with that, trying to book yourself in that. Or is it the same? I, I I don't know. Maybe since you're in both worlds, maybe you can explain as far as... They're pretty similar. But going back to what I was talking about, right motive, right action or whatever, if my motive was to be a famous comic, I don't think 
right, right action would be to start Robot Save City Comedy Club. Right. Yeah. Going into this, my motive is to have like a, a nice show that kind of exists outside of the mainstream, like the brick towns of the world or whatever. So I want, I just want to have that again because I, I think we used to have a really strong, like weird comedy scene. So I just want to have my contribution to it now is just bringing in all these fine folks back to Oklahoma City, uh, keeping them fed, paying paying for their travel, hopefully a little bit or all complete, depending on the deal and their housing and stuff. And then just putting them in a good spot to put on a good show for, you know, people in the city, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think it's a good time for it. I mean, like you said, on the, on the, on the backside of the bell curve of the COVID thing that we all went through, it's, I thought, I thought there would be like a huge inrush of comedy, especially like I said, with the Joe Rogan crowd moving to Austin, I thought, Oh cool. That's even closer to where we're at. So maybe there'll be something pop off, but it seemed like it was kind of a, kind of a sleeper cell thing. It, it took a while for it to catch fire. And now I think it is kind of at that point. Um, I think the music scene took off before the comic scene, as far as generating a bunch of hype, because everything became a fucking festival yeah. in, in the music world. And I, I'm not interested in that at this point. I'm done with festivals, <laughs> but the comic thing, it's, it's like, now you're seeing a lot, you're seeing some, like rock star ish tours out there with comedians. Like, yeah, God damn. I think depending on how you measure the health of a scene is like, I think we were either really healthy or like we could do better, but like in terms of like big comics, I think like we're doing great. Like yeah. we got people coming in through tower. We got people coming through Bricktown. Uh, you know, I remember when the biggest comics used to just come to Rose State, and those still yeah, happen too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw Tom Segura at Rose State College. Yeah, <laughs> Tom Segura is great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, man, uh, you got any upcoming gigs that we can put out there for everybody if they if you want to promote some of your stuff here? Yeah, um, let me. Do you have a calendar open? I gotta check some dates. Oh, let me get it up here. Comedy wise, our next comedy show will be Robot Save City debut. Will be a free one. This. First one will be at Vanessa House Brewery, January 21st. Uh, Derek Smith will be the headliner. Uh, he's from Oklahoma City originally. He moved to Chicago for a long time, um, but he's back. Uh, he's a cast member at the Lincoln Lodge. He's honestly, he touched down back in Oklahoma City. I was like, this guy's the funniest person in Oklahoma City. I love him to death. Um, the next thing is, do you have January 7th open? Or do you know if that's a Saturday or not? Uh, yeah, January 2023. Yeah, January 7th is Saturday. Okay. On January 7th, I'm organizing an event for a journalism nonprofit called Streetlight News, uh, which is a fundraiser. Uh, they mostly focus on stories regarding housing inequality and criminal justice. And I got bands booked, and it's uh, Spence Brown and their Serafina Trio band. It's like a hip-hop band. They're really good. Um, the other band booked is Nia Monet. Uh, she's really great too. And then on the cheap, I got my brother, David Nim playing solo and then I'll just be hosting the thing and raising money and, uh, you know, just trying to do good things. Awesome, man. That, this episode should drop just in time too. Cause this would be out right at the end of the year. So, um, perfect. Cool, man. So January 7th, 51st street speakeasy, 51st street speakeasy. Yeah. Awesome, man. And robot save city comedy. Is a thing you're when is that is that currently going or is that something you're still building on? Uh, it will start in January. So the goal is to have like right now. I was trying to parse out my budget and see how, how much risk I can take personally, and then while raising sponsorship to cover everything and get bigger comics, uh, hopefully down the line. Uh, but I booked the first quarter, of the, the first third of the year. So I have January through April booked. 
And then I'm working on booking the rest of the year. Just if we make it to December with the show every month, I think we'll, I'll be happy. Awesome, man. Um, how can people, if, if people want to book you or get a hold of you for, for maybe interest in robot safe city, how can they, what's the most convenient way they can get a hold of you is you on the, on the socials. I'm on the socials. <laughs> if, if you guys are on Instagram, uh, Instagram and Facebook are my things. Um, so on Facebook, I'm James Nim, N G H I E M, or you can find me at robot safe city, facebook.com slash robot safe city or the Nims or any of those things. Cool. Uh, same on Instagram. Uh, I'm Pythagorean serum, Pythagorean underscore serum on Instagram. And then robot safe cities on Instagram now too. And the names are on Instagram too. Awesome, man. Thank you very much for coming in, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad we can, uh, keep it. That's one thing with, with this show is like, we started with music and then we were like, well, I mean, how many aspects go into live entertainment? And then the next thing you know, we're talking to the guys in Vanessa house, their brewers were like, well, hell everybody drinks beer at a show. And then next we're talking the comics artists. So it's just a mixed bag. And, uh, it's been cool, man. It's been coming up on two years. Uh, we're getting on 2023 and hopefully we can keep this thing going. So thank you for coming in. Uh, Jonathan, if people would like to donate to the show, let them know how they can do that. Okay. The uh, local earshot podcast, we run on the value for value system. Uh, what that means is that we run on three tenants. It's time, talent, and treasure. So when our people listen to the show, uh, they're giving up their time and we thank you for listening because we know that there's millions of podcasts out there. Uh, and then as for talent, if you're an artist or you work inside the music industry, or if you work inside the entertainment industry and you want to be on the show, uh, then you can hit me up at John at the local earshot.com, or you can hit up Brad on our Instagram page. It's the local earshot. Um, and then uh, if you want to donate to the show, you can go over to the local earshot.com. There's a tab that says donate. Uh, when you tap that, we take crypto, we take cash app, we take Venmo. So we take all, all things that are money. Um, so, and all money that goes into the show basically is, um, going to fund our ability to, uh, do video and do other things with the show, maybe put on some events, things like that. So any money that you give is going to help us, um, Thank you for listening. Yeah, 2023, we're going to try to get on video, and uh, that's going to be something we're going to work on our next step. So we love y'all. We'll see y'all. Bye-bye.